Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says Podcast Number 3, George Washington Starts the French and Indian War. <laughs> now, I bet you I'm, I'm going to catch a lot of arrows by saying that George Washington started the French and Indian War. Well, actually, <clears throat> I'm pretty sure that war would have started all by itself without him. But <laughs> he did start it. At least he was up to his neck in it while it was getting going. I love this story because it tells just how strong, determined, and loyal this great man was. Once he set his mind on doing something, it just got done. And it didn't matter any at all what obstacles got in his way. Why, if it was important and needed doing, George Washington just up and got it done. Here you go. Podcast number three, George Washington Starts the French and Indian War. Hello, America. It's time for Uncle Sam Says. Today, I got some great stories for you. Uh, uh, first, we're going to start off with finishing up the one I told you yesterday about the saga of Nancy Hart. Remember, uh, she she shot and killed two, and, and then they hung three more Tories and buried them all on their property. Five people. Well, I'm going to tell you the rest of that story today. Years later... A railroad came right through the cabin site and excavated six skeletons. Six skeletons? Six skeletons? Yep, <laughs> that's what they found. Six skeletons right there in the same loyalist Tory grave. Who was that sixth person? Well, that question was asked by a lot of folks, but nobody could come up with an answer. Well, <clears throat> that is until now. You see, you're very lucky to have Uncle Sam as your storyteller. You see, I come across things most folks just don't come across. Now, I ain't going to say that what I tell you about that sixth body is gospel true, because cause I don't rightly know for sure. It's just rumors, you see. But where there's smoke, sometimes there's fire, too. And, and besides, it makes a good story a whole lot better. It happened like this. Remember that Tory army that the five Tories were part of? You know the one that murdered Colonel Dooley in his bed, plus a lot of other atrocities? Well, <clears throat> after those five didn't come back, the commanding officer started to ask around and discovered that they had taken a bunch of good corn whiskey with them. Boy, was he mad. He figured they'd just gone off and got themselves drunk. He grabbed three or four of his officers and took off after them. He was going to peel their backside when he found them. It just never occurred to him that a lone woman could have given them any trouble at all. The rumors have it that the officers who returned said that they almost got to Nancy's cabin when their commanding officer just took off into the forest and never came back. Now, let me ask you. If you were one of those four officers and you let a woman get the best of you so that your commanding officer was killed, would you tell it to the rest of the men? It was embarrassing enough just to lose your commander, let alone to a woman. Now, now, you just remember, I ain't a promising that he was really the sixth skeleton, you see. I, I only found out after Nancy was gone. And, and Suki? I, I think she married one of those redcoats after the war. And, well, I, I just couldn't pin her down. It, it makes you wonder, don't it? Well, Nancy was a bit vulgar and illiterate, but she was a patriot. She loved her country. She knew what was right and what was wrong, and she stood for the right. We need more like her, people who know what it means to fight for freedom and are willing to do it. Yes, sir, the people of this nation have lost the vision of what their forefathers fought and died for. We need to remember that. 
And that's what I'm here to fetch to you, and I'm going to do it, and I love doing it, and I'm glad to be here. George Washington. One day, when he was out surveying with his party, they were surprised by meeting up with an Indian war party of about 30 braves. They had just come from a raid and had only taken one scalp. This little surveying party might just have seemed to them to be easy pickings for a few more scalps. George and his men had some good corn liquor and offered to share some of it with the Indians. The Indians started feeling pretty good, and when George asked them to do a war dance, they readily agreed. What could have been a rather bloody meeting turned into a very pleasant affair. In 1753, the French decided to claim the fertile Ohio River Valley, and they moved in. Of course, this made King George in England angry. The American frontier was a big land, but it just wasn't big enough for both the English and the French. He instructed the governor of Virginia, a Robert Dinwiddie, to order them out. Well, that gave the governor a bit of a logistics problem. He was in Virginia, and the French were in the Ohio River Valley, which was several hundred miles away over uncharted mountains, and it was already October, which meant those mountains were going to be covered with snow. Plus, he knew that sending a man on such a mission might well be the end of that man, because if he did get through all those mountains, the French might kill him, <laughs> being the bearer of bad news and all. Well, the governor knew he needed a man with a bark on. He needed a man tough enough to get through the mountains, and smart enough, and with enough strength of personality, to deliver the ultimatum, make them believe it, <laughs> and then to get out alive. His choice for this assignment was a six-foot-two-inch, strong-as-an-ox, twenty-one-year-old major in the militia, who also just happened to be a full-blooded backwoods surveyor into the bargain. He was indeed a man with the bark on. His name? George Washington. George chose four other backwoodsmen and two interpreters, and they set off on horseback. It was nearly four hundred miles of pure torture. The snow was so deep that the horses could hardly lunge through it. October went by. November went by. Finally, in the middle of December, he met the French at Fort Leboeuf, near Lake Erie, and delivered the British ultimatum. Although the French were polite, they shrugged off the ultimatum and even made no attempt to hide from Washington over two hundred canoes they were collecting to launch a major invasion with the next spring. George knew this information about the coming invasion. That information had to be delivered to Governor Dinwiddie immediately. <laughs> so he immediately set out to do so. By now it was right smack dab in the middle of winter and the snow was so deep and crusted that the horses could not go through it at all. When the horses would lunge through it, the crust would cut their legs. It was impossible to go on, but George was determined. Only one of his interpreters, a Christopher Gist, would agree to go with him, and after a long search they finally found an Indian guide to lead them. That guide? He proved to be a traitor. After they were long into the forest, he turned and fired his gun at them without even giving a warning. <laughs> Luckily he missed, and while he was trying to reload, they wrestled him to the ground. Gist was all for killing him right then, but George just couldn't bring himself to do it, since the man was unarmed now, and so they just let him go. And then they spent the next few days a-running for their lives. They were afraid to even light a fire, for fear of discovery by the Indians. 
When they came to the Allegheny River, the weather had turned warmer. It was so warm, in fact, that the ice had broken up on the river and they could no longer walk across as they had planned to do. <laughs> but that wasn't about to stop them either one, no siree. They took a small hatchet they had and spent the whole day cutting logs and building a raft. After dark, they put into the river and found the current too swift and the raft too small. Blocks of ice would ram it, and, and it was all they could do just to stay afloat. They were paddling with poles and then shoving off blocks of ice and paddling again, and finally George pushed too hard on a block, and he fell right in. Wow! We talk about cold! No way! Why, it felt like fire! At least at first, and, and then it seemed his, his whole body just went, went plumb numb. Somehow, he got back on the raft, and the two of them crawled off that raft onto an island in the middle of the river. <laughs> Those were a couple of cold, wet boys. They spent that night in wet, then frozen clothes. They were given thanks to the great God for making it grow cold again, because the river had refrozen during the night, and they could now walk across. These men were great men. They are men of God, patriots. They loved their country, and they were honorable. A couple weeks later, George arrived in Williamsburg and delivered his report. And after hearing the report, Governor Dinwiddie rushed George's written report into print, and it was read with great alarm on both sides of the Atlantic. This was the start of Washington's notoriety. He was suddenly famous. Until tomorrow, remember... You are learning the truth. Tell your friends, speak with boldness, and keep your powder dry.